You're listening, listening to Hold That Thought from Arts and Sciences at Washington University in St. Louis. Thanks for listening to Hold That Thought. For today's episode, we'll be hearing about God and oil from Darren Dochuk. My name is Darren Dochuk. I'm associate professor here in the John C. Danforth Center on Religion and Politics. I also have an appointment in the Department of History. Dochuk is the author of From Bible Belt to Sun Belt, Plain Folk Religion, Grassroots Politics, and the Rise of Evangelical Conservatism. He's currently working on a book that also explores history and religion in the western parts of North America, this time with a focus on oil, something with which he has a somewhat personal connection. I grew up in Alberta, Canada, so I kind of know intuitively just how oil, of course, is important to those uh, regions of North America, and then also how kind of a, a populist strain of Protestantism is also very much at home on that soil. The relationship between religion, politics, and the oil industry has existed pretty much as long as there's been an oil industry. But this may have been especially true in the middle of the 20th century. That's where we're going to be spending most of our time today. The story in the 1950s is how independent oil producers, such as J. Howard Pugh, who was part of the family that established Sunoco, he was in charge of Sunoco or Sun Oil in the 1950s, uh, kind of saw his corporate world of small producers correspond with his church realm as well. In addition to being an oil man, J. Howard Pugh was a devout evangelical Presbyterian. More on that later. He also happened to be in charge of what is now Sunoco at a crucial time in American history. In the 1950s and 60s, there was a great fear that the United States was losing the ability to produce enough oil for itself. As the U.S. becomes more of an importing nation rather than exporting, as Saudi Arabia and the Middle East uh, ascend as uh, more uh, kind of powerful producing countries, Americans are feeling vulnerable. But J. Howard Pugh thought he could change that. So uh, he, in the 1950s and the 1960s, is very instrumental in looking for new frontiers in North America. The search for new oil frontiers required ambition and independence, qualities that Pugh did not lack. J. Howard Pugh, like his father, held firm to this belief that uh, kind of the, the oil business itself was the ultimate example of pure capitalism at work. Uh, at least initially, the ability of any individual, based on their own initiative, their own effort, uh, and their own courage, could go out into kind of untapped frontiers with a, a bit of equipment, a bit of money, and a lot of chance, uh, find their oil pool, and uh, really kind of derive, gather their wealth from that pool, and in turn give back to uh, their families, their communities, and churches. So this is how capitalism was supposed to work. This sort of fierce independence also translated into Pugh's ideas about theology. Remember, in addition to being a businessman, he was a deeply devout Christian. Ultimately for him, true Protestantism, pristine Protestantism, was all about the individual's right and freedom uh, to have a relationship with God, 
based on their terms. Uh, this was not a church necessarily that imposed this. This was not a culture. Uh, it came down to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, just as the individual went out in pursuit of this uh, subsoil wealth, so too were they to interpret scripture and to approach God on their terms. Uh, so this is in his mind a kind of the logic of both lining up very clearly uh, and having an effect both in the church and the corporate realm. J. Howard Pugh was not alone in his beliefs about capitalism and faith, and he found an important ally in Ernest Manning. Manning, a Canadian politician, served as the premier of Alberta between 1943 and 1968. He and J. Howard Pugh met and found they had a lot in common. In short, they hit it off. Uh, and through what I would call kind of a soft diplomacy, that is using uh, friendships uh, derived from church contacts, through working in various religious organizations, really strike up a friendship. And as I argue, they really serve as kind of the foundation of a, of a business relationship between Sunoco and the Canadian and, and the, the province of Alberta to start uh, what becomes known as the Great Canadian Oil Sands Project uh, in Fort McMurray. The Great Canadian Oil Sands Project was the largest single private investment in Canada's history. It was an enormous business venture. When looking at the history of a project like this, or men like Ernest Manning and J. Howard Pugh, it might be easy to overlook something seemingly unrelated, like faith. But according to Dochuk, that would be a mistake. I think when we're looking at the connections between business and religion, uh, we can kind of be skeptical sometimes. Uh, but when we look at, at so many of these kind of evangelical businessmen in the mid-20th century, these are very sincere gentlemen who kind of wore their faith on their sleeve. And, and their businesses were quite often extensions of their faith. They were also extensions of the communities in which they, they operated and they, they had fellowship with. And these communities were in the church. These communities were also in these parachurch ministries. These parachurch ministries provided another means of contact between religion and business. In fact, it was through one of these organizations that Manning and Pew's friendship developed. Uh, the Christian Businessmen's Association, for instance, one of these where corporate leaders would come together and hold each other accountable to, to certain doctrines, to certain theologies, uh, and, to, and to fellowship. Quite naturally, it's through those kind of unofficial channels of, of corporate exchange, of religious exchange, where friendships were developed. And uh, this is a case where Ernest Manning and J. Howard Pugh, through an exchange that talked about Bible, that talked about reading scripture, that talked about Calvin and proper interpretation of providence, uh, those kind of the correspondence and the communication in that realm really set the stage for uh, business dealings, which they saw as secondary, but of course, as we look back on, were, uh, were absolutely critical. There's a whole other part of this story that we haven't directly addressed yet. Remember, Dochuk works for the John C. Danforth Center on Religion and Politics. The third kind of dimension to this is politics. I hope to show kind of the, the connection, the impact that uh, faith and business can have on the political realm. We don't have to look far to make this connection. For J. Howard Pugh, involvement in government meant much more than befriending politicians like Ernest Manning. J. Howard Pugh was part of, again, a, a larger 
kind of community of independent producers, mostly based in the Southwest. Uh, and in the 1950s, even as he was looking for new oil resources in North America, including in Alberta, uh, working with Ernest Manning to open up the Great Canadian Oil Sands, he, along with other uh, very prominent wildcatters, independent producers in the Southwest, were also uh, making political waves, wanting the federal government uh, to uh, impose fewer restrictions on them, wanting the federal government to stay out of their terrain. In particular, these independent producers wanted the government to stay out of the tidelands. These were areas off the coast of Texas and Louisiana that were found to have offshore oil. The federal government thought it should have ownership of the land and its resources. People like J. Howard Pugh thought otherwise. These Texas independents were adamant that states should have those rights uh, and that they as small producers should have special access to those domestic reserves. This was not a local conflict confined to a few business people. It became a national issue. There were three Supreme Court decisions against the states, three acts of Congress in favor of the states, two presidential vetoes against the states, and it affected the presidential election. That issue really became crucial to the election of Dwight Eisenhower in 1952. Uh, it's an issue that I don't think historians have, have explored in, in depth, but this matter of energy, of environment, uh, this matter separating small oil producers from large uh, major oil companies, and then the way in which evangelical religion helped fuel that momentum for states' rights, uh, the momentum for this emerging Republican right, all of, uh, all of this had a, a really profound impact on the political direction of the nation itself. In the short term, this issue benefited President Eisenhower, who pledged during his campaign to restore the Tidelands to the states. Over the long term, Dochuk believes that the reach of both the oil industry and evangelical religion can still be felt in politics today. Historians have done a lot, social scientists have done a lot to kind of flesh out the, the networks that allowed the Republican right, most obviously, to flourish. Uh, with the rise of Reagan, into the years of George W. Bush. And what social scientists, sociologists, political scientists, and historians are finding, of course, is just the work that uh, kind of the soft diplomacy does uh, in the boardroom, in kind of interpersonal relationships, the way that those connections can provide, again, the grounds for uh, networking that will have political effect. As was the case with J. Howard Pugh and Ernest Manning, Religion can be a major part of this soft diplomacy. I think even as we look at current debates, uh, whether it's in Washington or on the ground, uh, in the Dakotas, uh, in the heartland, matters of faith, institutions of faith, individuals of faith are very much wrapped up uh, in the politics of that. Dochuk stresses that throughout the 20th century, political and religious debates relating to oil have extended far beyond the boardroom. Especially recently, in the face of climate change, for many people, oil raises questions about ethics, morality, and ultimate meaning. While kind of the J. Howard Pews uh, of the evangelical world continue to hold sway uh, by virtue of their purses by virtue of their influence, uh, there is again within evangelicalism, especially among young people, a greater awareness of uh, environmental concern. For example, the religious organization Sojourners recently supported the People's Climate March in New York City. 
Yet while for some the idea of protecting the environment promotes political change, many others are still motivated by the ideals of J. Howard Pugh, faith and pristine capitalism. It's never, you know, been a reality. Uh, nevertheless, that ideal uh, drives business people forward uh, to protect certainly their interests within the marketplace, but also to, I think, uh, to advance this ideal, which they often see in very kind of Christian theological terms. This is, uh, this is the best kind of social ethic. This is the best and only way uh, that we can truly be fulfilled uh, before God and, and, and with God as our partner, as, as many of them would say. So, uh, and to, to kind of shortchange that or not to appreciate fully that a way in which uh, business people often take these, these commitments seriously is to miss, I think, an essential part uh, uh, of our economic history, uh, our history of capitalism in the 20th century. Many thanks to Darren Dochuk for contributing to Hold That Thought. You can find many more ideas to explore on our website. We're at holdthatthought.wustl.edu.